it's not from me, but from you that that seeds are planted, that they're watered, and that they grow. I know that that I can be as clever and profound as I as as possible in my own strength, and that that it goes nowhere. Uh, Lord God, so I pray that you would be present. I pray that you would speak through me and despite me. Um, I pray that folks would hear from you today, uh, that they would know you more by hearing your word preached, um, that they would uh, that they would be blessed, that they would find new life in Christ, um, that they would deepen their faith, that they would uh, become who you designed and and desired us to be, um, people who are saved by the grace of your son's death for us and your forgiveness and new life. In Christ's name, amen. Um, the, uh, internet is very full of, uh, everything, uh, but I think one of my, uh, favorite and least favorite things that can be found in bulk on the internet is stuff related to a thing called auto-tune. Um, have y'all, are y'all familiar with this? Uh, auto-tune is a, uh, is an editor's trick to make it so that singers don't sound bad. And so if they're a little off on a note, they can auto-tune it and just sort of fudge it and make it sound good. And in more extreme instances, they can bend the sound and make it sound like crazy or perfect. Or in some instances, they can make it sound like singing when in fact it is um, some insane person talking about COVID-19 in a bad sermon um, or whatever. Not saying that this is anybody in particular. Um, but the reason this is my favorite is because that, like, like watching these videos tells me that there's hope for me. Right? Like anybody, like if y'all are new here, on mornings when we sing happy birthday or where I attempt to sing, you will often see my wife mash the buttons down, you know, blindly stabbing to mute me so that no one can hear me sing. I frequently sing in the car because it's fun to mess with Josh, honestly. I mean, <laughs> I, I, was, uh, I was gifted with many things, and, and one of those is not an ear for music or a voice that should be heard under any circumstances set to music. Is everybody with me? Um, but the cool thing about this auto-tune thing is that you can sing as badly as you want, and they take it, and they hit a button, and they slide a little scale, and they can make you sound good, right? I mean, they can't make the song you're singing not awful, so, you know, Justin Bieber's still a thing. But, like, they can make your voice sound right. Thank you for, like, the one person who laughed at that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, as we dive into our text today, I want you to keep that idea in mind because um, we're in the book of Acts and we are kind of working up on the very end of Paul's first missionary journey and then some of the aftermath, some of the fallout from it. And I, I think we're going to do the whole text I'm planning on. We will see. I was really torn as to how to break this up properly. But, but understand what's going on is up until like very recently in this text, um, in the book of Acts, the, the Christian faith was exclusively for Jewish people, right? Because Jesus was Jewish, right? A lot of Jesus' teachings take place in the context of Jewish rabbis. And the, the Jewish people were people of the law, 
right? I mean, they are, and still today, they're very serious about the law, and they, they love the law, and they study it, and some of them walk around with little, like, like copies of the law, like, like attached to their foreheads in, what's the word for it, John? In phylacteries? Um, or they'll hang it on their door, or what have you. I mean, like, they're, they're serious about the law, and they study it, and, like, focus on it, and everything else, and, um, so, uh, the law for these Jewish people, like, they, they saw Jesus as a fulfillment of the law and, like, a fulfillment of a bunch of promises God made about redeeming people from their sins. Now, Paul tells us later in his writings that the law has one purpose, right? The law has one purpose for sinful people. Because, like, if we were without sin, the law would just be the guidelines and that's what we would follow. The problem is that we all are awful. Okay? No offense to any of you. I know some of y'all are really special and wonderful and unique stars hanging in the sky, according to your kindergarten teachers. But, in reality, people are pretty bad. Um, And the law serves one purpose. And that is to tell us what we need to do wrong. Because there's a part of us inside that is going to say... I don't care what that rule is, I'm going to break it. And as soon as you put a law in front of me, I'm going to figure out a way to break it, right? How many of y'all gauge how fast you can drive by how many miles over the speed limit you can go before you get pulled over? So it's me and Frank. (laughs) Everyone else is awesome. (laughs) Because, like, I know, like, five, you're not going to get pulled over, but maybe seven you could get away with, right? Um, I get pulled over a lot. But that's the easy part. Like, like, it starts, I mean, because that's the simplest version of that. But it becomes, well, I didn't cheat on my wife. I just looked at these pictures. I didn't uh, steal this. Walmart already has enough money. It's not stealing if it's cable. It's not stealing if it's this. It's not, it's not like coveting if it's something I'm earning the money to buy. Well, nope, still is what it is. If you put a law in front of me, I will figure out a way to break it. And that is the purpose of the law. And for the Jewish people, like, coming to that understanding was incredibly difficult and was one of the major stumbling blocks that we're going to encounter here. So Paul is out, and he is preaching, and he is preaching to Gentiles, meaning not Jewish people. And he's converting lots and lots of these Gentiles, right? And a lot of them were God-fearers, meaning they were people who had begun to convert to Judaism, right? Like, which was a very common thing back then. And for whatever reason, either hadn't finished the process, because the process could take years, you had to learn things and study and demonstrate, and you had to follow the rules well enough. And if you did this stuff well enough, long enough, eventually that you would have the blessing of going through circumcision, and they would actually baptize people. Kind of interesting, Right? Like, they would wash you. There'd be a whole ceremonial washing thing. Like, I don't know if that's universal of Jews, but they did a ceremonial washing thing. Like, baptism was a Judeo-Christian thing from very early on. And so, like, this, this washing was something that people understood as a part of moving into the Jewish faith. Now, Paul goes and starts preaching all over in Galatia, like, which is where Greece is, right? Um, and, uh, or Turkey, more Turkey. Anyway, he, uh, not Thanksgiving Turkey, Turkey the country, um, Really? Nothing? I got a Thanksgiving joke in, and it just fell that flat. All right, so we're going to jump into our text. I'm sorry, I'm spending a lot of time getting to this. But what is going to happen, what we're going to see in this text is, as Paul comes back and news of his work and news of converting Gentiles starts to hit 
the main church, folks start coming out of the woodwork to say, wait, those guys aren't saved because they're not circumcised. Right? And the idea was, and this becomes a major fight for the majority of the early period of the church. During Paul's life, he writes a number of letters about it, and the church fights back and forth about it. There's a swath within the church. Paul calls them the Judaizers, or the the uh, party of the circumcision, or they got a couple other names. But, like, there's a large swath that says, you know what? God does not forgive you just because you have faith in Jesus. You have to earn it. And you've got to do these things, and you've got to be good enough, and you've got to do the same stuff we had to do. Oh, thank you. You had to do the same stuff that we had to do in order to be acceptable to God. Now, um, the main point today, if you're going to fall asleep, everybody with me? If you're planning on falling asleep today, this is the big idea. Hilo, pay attention. There'll be a test later. Um, We are not saved by anything we do. You cannot follow a ritual. You cannot behave well enough. You cannot show up enough, memorize enough Bible verses, give enough money, anything else you can do. None of that stuff will make you acceptable to God. There are no rules you can follow. And by the way, the reason I mentioned it earlier, if you put a rule in front of me, what am I going to do? Break it. And I'm surely not the only one. Right? And if you don't believe me about this, try this experiment with your children. Do not step in this area of the house. And what are they going to do? Right up to the edge. And about two seconds after you stop looking, they're going to be over it. Right? You know why? Because you put a rule in front of us, we'll break it. That is sin. Rebellion. Um, So... You cannot be saved by anything you do. It is purely grace. Grace is a gift. It is a gift you cannot earn and do not deserve, but is given to you for free. And it only requires that we have faith in Christ. And that is how we are saved. That is how we become new people. Everything else is like a stopgap measure or putting out a fire, waiting for the next one to pop up or convincing ourselves like by salving our spirit and saying, oh, well, it's okay. You know, or, oh, you know, God, God loves me. I can do whatever I want, though, um, or I can live however I want. Like, you know, you can't earn it. It is a gift. No ritual, no obedience, no circumcision, no holidays, no nothing saves you, period, 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 right? This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he was punished for our sins and we're forgiven if we trust in him. God sees his righteousness on us and sees our sin on Christ. That's it. That's the gospel. Okay? So if you fall asleep, start now. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Uh, and I'm taking a long time to get here. So I'm going to do this real fast. This is the book of Acts. And we have to go back a little bit because this is the point where... Um, Peter comes back to the church in Jerusalem and he's telling about the very first conversion of Gentiles. Um, And so uh, Peter is telling the story. He was at the Tanner's house. I can tell you all about that later if you'd like to ask about Tanner's. (laughs) This is an inside joke. I'm so sorry. Um, So right then, he's at the Tanner's house. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea, stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. 
there six brothers, or these six brothers also went with me, and we entered into a man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear at his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they had come on, as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I? I repeat that. Who was I? to think I could stand in God's way. When they had heard this, they had no further objections. So, oh, there it is. Sorry, that was my fault. I stuck my hand in my pocket and accidentally turned off the microphone. Uh, (laughs) Praised God saying... I'm sorry. Praise God, saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now, what's going on is Peter shows up at the church in Jerusalem, at the main church, at the center hub, where all the leaders are. And he's like, guys, I just converted a ton of Gentiles. And the party of the circumcision, these guys who were many of them were like Pharisees, meaning they were all about the law and you obey the law and God loves you, right? Um, and a lot of us grew up in houses where we were told that if you're good enough, dad will love you, right? But in reality, that's nonsense. You don't earn love. Love is a gift, right? And so these Pharisee guys are looking at Peter and they're like, you can't do that. Only if they convert to Jewishness. They have to become Jewish and then they become, can become Christians. Then they can be saved by our Messiah. But if they don't do that, they're not saved. So this was a thing that already existed. It began, the Judaizers, as Paul will call them later in his books, um, were deterred, like ultimately they, they argued, but they were stopped by Peter when he said, look, the Holy Spirit acted, how am I going to say anything against that, right? Because I'm going to tell you, I may object to something, but if God steps up and says, nope, this is the way it is, guess what, right? I remember when I was a kid, my parents would say, you know, I would say something and my parents would say, no, this is the rule. Right. I know my kids do that. Like Josh will be like, oh, aren't they not allowed to blank, blank, blank. Or Abby will do. Hey, Josh is doing this blank, blank, blank. Aren't isn't he in trouble now? And in reality, dad says, no, I don't care. Or nope, this is what the rule is. Um, and so the Judaizers are silenced by this. They're like, well, OK, he's Peter, I guess. And the Holy Spirit did his thing, I guess. So these Gentiles, those guys in Caesarea by the sea, they can be converted. That's it, though. Right. So we're going to jump into our story from last week. I may end up having to cut the last half of this. Um, after going through Pisidia, Pisidia, Greek names, um, they came into Pamphylia, a Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they came down to Attila, Italia. Uh, from Italia, they sailed back to Antioch. By the way, there's 16 cities in the ancient world named Antioch. 16. So if this seems repetitive, this is a different Antioch than the one before. Um, there's, I, don't, I have no idea why, right? Um, 
there's only two big Sandys in, big, in the United States. Why can't they come up with a better name than Antioch? Um, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. Meaning they go back to the church that sent them and paid their way and commissioned them for the work they had to do. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Read that again. Opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So Paul and Barnabas, they get back to the home church and they tell the story. We were in this city and people were converted. We were in this city and people were converted. We healed people. People were baptized. It was awesome. Look at all of this stuff that happened. And everybody celebrated. There was much rejoicing. Got it? Um, And it's a happy point in the story until... Chapter 15, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some believers, some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about the question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they, were, they reported everything God had done through them. So what happens is, news has spread, right? And these guys, these Judaizers, the guys who argued with Peter before, probably, they say, well, wait a minute. They can't be saved unless they follow my rules. Unless they follow these rules, this is how you earn God's gift. I, I used to live in the D.C. area, and I always thought it was funny. You'd walk around on the mall, which is that like big, long strip of land in the middle of all the like, corruption of government and the museums and everything. And like, it, was, it was a neat place. You could walk around, you could visit, you could go to the museums, you could talk to people. And there are street performers and always like concerts and stuff like that. But there were always guys who would walk up to you with books and say, hey, I am, I'm going to offer you a gift. Oh, really? What gift are you giving me? I'm giving you this book. And they would give you this book. You say, oh, wow, that's interesting. What's it about? And they'd tell you about their religious thing or whatever. And then they'd be like, the suggested donation is $8. Well, I don't have $8, but I do appreciate the gift. Right? Is it a gift? Not at all. (laughs) It's a sale. Um. These guys are showing up and saying, hey, it's not a gift. You owe. You buy in or you don't do. Right? Paul in the book of Galatians, meaning the letter he wrote about this time or a little after to the church in Galatia, right, where these guys go on and begin to preach the same message, he calls it another gospel. He says, listen, if somebody comes to you, even an angel like something looking like an angel, shows up and starts teaching you, you need to earn your way to heaven? Don't believe it. It's a lie. Because the gift we get in Christ is a gift we accept. 
but it's a gift we have to live in. There's the tricky part, but there is no earning it. There is nothing I can do to undo every rotten thing I have ever done. Nothing. I cannot earn my way up to God. I cannot earn my way to deserving forgiveness. I cannot earn my way. Nothing. So Paul and Barnabas go on, and the church is overjoyed to hear that people are coming to salvation. Right? Like they are excited and happy and it is good, and they're celebrating, and they arrive in Jerusalem for their big debate. Um, by the way, big point, the Judaizers came, or again, came again, like, like came out to push the Gentiles to convert to Judaism. They came out and pushed this conversion, right? This is the, the song they sing over and over again, you have to do this to be saved. You have to do this for God to love you. You have to do this for God to accept you. And it's, it's, it's contra. It's a, it's a false gospel. It's contrary to the gospel. Um, then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. This is the first council of Jerusalem. It is the first time that the church, meaning like all of these guys, because by this point, the disciples, the 12, have been scattered. And they're running churches all over, and they're making disciples, and they're spreading the gospel. And they have all come back to, to the city to discuss this and argue it and debate it and figure out what is what and what will go forward. And this is a huge deal because it is a huge discussion. This is a question of what is it that we have to do to be saved. And it's weird because, like, that's the most important question in all of Christianity, isn't it? I mean, we talk about, like, oh, well, we're going to save the culture. Oh, well, we're going to do this. Oh, well, you know, it'll make my kids grow up and be successful. Oh, well, you know, it makes my marriage happier, my sex life better, or whatever. Like, like none of that. The thing is, can I be saved from my sins? Can I be bought back from the slavery to sin that I live in? And make it no doubt, like, slavery to sin is a real thing. That is when you say, I need to get away from this, and five minutes later you're doing it again. Or am I the only one who does that? Just me. I know. And so the, the leadership gather up and they begin to debate. And after much discussion, Peter, where did we start? Started with Peter. And how did Peter shut everyone up? I saw God move. And I ain't fighting God, right? Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them. He purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you, why do you try to test God putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. And the whole assembly became silent. And as they listened to Barnabas and Paul, Paul, who was probably short, 
telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. Um, the Holy Spirit shut everyone up, right? Um, Peter gets up and he says, listen, the yoke, the law, the expectation of perfection is a weight. It's like having a cinder block tied around your neck or a yoke put on your shoulders and you can't carry it. Yoke, by the way, here is probably a reference to Jewish teaching and the idea was that it was how you uh, carried the teaching with you and the yoke that was so heavy was the law. They had laws for everything and it was impossible to follow and that's the point. We, the point of the law is to show us we need, that we need grace that we need Christ to die for us. Like God loves us so much, he comes as one of us. He sends his son as one of us to be good on our behalf and to be punished on our behalf. And the Holy Spirit proves this in this setting by acting. And they all shut up. They all stop talking. The next half of this thing we're going to talk about next week, which will be James's talk on it, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and then the stipulations they set out might be another sermon. We'll see how, how that goes. But we're going to dig in and focus on this little bit here. So Peter gets up and he preaches what he's going to preach. He says what he's going to say. I'm going to tell you again, and I've said it over and over again, I cannot say it loud or hard enough. Due to sin, the law is powerless to save us. Attempts to earn salvation through it are a false gospel. So if somebody tells you, if you want to go to heaven... You don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do. That's another gospel. Period. No discussion beyond that. We are saved by faith in Jesus. By trusting in Christ for forgiveness and then living in Christ. It is a gift we are given that we carry with us and it makes us brand new. Um, it's a little like my auto-tune. Ooh, it is going to come back. On my own... My singing is awful. My best work. <laughs> Were you amening my singing is awful or where I'm going with this, right? Uh, on my own, my singing is awful. I cannot even hope to please God. But in Christ, in Christ, my best works are made acceptable because they're Christ's works, not mine. Auto-tune does the singing, I don't, right? Christ did the righteousness, I didn't. And in Christ, I'm made new, I am made clean, and I am made capable. Can I follow the law perfectly? No. But I can do it better because the old Eric dies every day a little more. And the new Eric, who is alive in Christ, comes about more and more as I become more intimate and closer with God. And he takes more and more control. And this new version of me lives. If you had met me 20 years ago, you guys would have fired me three days after I started. Right? If you'd met me 10 years ago, you wouldn't have hired me. Wait, nope, that was 10 years ago. If you, <laughs> let's call it 15. You would want nothing to do with me. Fifteen years ago, my wife prayed for God to kill me. Like, she loved me so much. It is not me. It is Christ in me. Any of us who belongs to Jesus, any of us who does good work, any of us who glorifies God with who we are, any of us who is bound for the promised land and not for comeuppance for our sins, there's Christ in you 
that does the work. Anything else is a false gospel. A lie. Uh, this is Galatians. This is Paul writing to that church. I'm going to do this quick. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. Grace is the gift that we have to live in Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let it be under God's curse. As we have already said, so I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. A little later in the book, he says, you foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed crucified. By the way, uh, the assumption there is that they had some sort of vision of Christ crucified for their sins, right? Like, like punished, God broke him and poured his wrath out on Christ. He was portrayed before them. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? You, are you so foolish? After, be, after beginning by means of the Spirit, you are now trying to finish by means of the flesh, meaning you began by faith and by the Holy Spirit in you, and now you're trying to earn it? These guys are getting circumcised, by the way. That's what they're doing. That's kind of those guys went and were preaching there. Paul wrote a letter to address it. That's what Galatians is about. So again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? or by your believing what you heard. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's the Holy Spirit in us that produces... Oh, actually, I got two there. Faith in, salvation, or faith in Jesus Christ is the only way that we're saved. Like, it's this gift of God. Any trying to do good work isn't going to work out. However... Like, we can do good work, but it's fruit that grows out of seeds planted in us, out of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Meaning, if I am a follower of Christ, I become different because old Eric died, new Eric is here, and what does that fruit look like? I'm not as big a jerk as I used to be. Sometimes I love people selflessly. Sometimes I manage to control my tongue instead of saying stupid things off the cuff. Just sometimes. Auto-tune kicks into my actions in my life, and I sing well. I can't try real hard to sing well. It will never, ever work. I'll just get louder and worse, right? But the auto-tune of the Holy Spirit in my life can make me better. And it begins, it begins by saying, Jesus Christ, I belong to you. I cannot save myself. I belong to you. You are God. You are my boss. Like I, I, will, I will be in you and I will live my life for you. That is where it begins. And so what do we do with all of this? Application. Um, first and foremost, to be in Christ, we have to trust him for our salvation. Right? It's not work. It's not anything. It is if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are saved. Meaning, I, I, Jesus is Lord. Lord means boss, by the way. He is my boss. And so when I face a difficulty in life with my other bosses, like my wife or, you know, the board, which never conflicts with God, either of them, 
But hypothetically, if it did, boss decides. When my sin, which sometimes wants to be boss, right? When my guilt, when sometimes other believers out there will say, hey, Eric, you can't be if you don't. Why aren't you wearing a tie? Right? Because I live in rural Montana. Um, Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? If you don't do this, or if you do that, you're, you're cursed. Like, God doesn't love you anymore. You've lost your salvation. In reality, faith in Christ saves me. And so my works cannot, cannot make it otherwise. And it is a decision. It is a moment we decide, this is how I will live. Does, and then I walk in it. If you raise a man from the dead and he stays in the tomb, did he really come back? So we get up, raised to new life, and we walk in Christ. We read, we study, we pray, we stand near other believers. We fill ourselves with the word. We listen to what God has to say. We worship. We, we spend time in Christ consuming the bread of life. And the more we consume the bread of life, the more the auto-tune kicks in. The auto-tune doesn't save us. It just makes us not sound awful. It is the fruit of salvation. This is hopefully not too mixed a metaphor. I think it might be falling apart on me. Should I sing about it? (laughs) Growth in Christ, finally, is a product of intimacy with him. Um, Obedience is a part of that. Like, I can't disregard, like... Like, Jesus says that I'm supposed to pray for my enemies. If I don't pray for my enemies, instead pour gas on the fire of my hatred for them, that's not obedience, and it becomes a spiritual cancer for me. I do not grow spiritually when I hate actively, right? We grow through obedience, through knowledge, through consuming, through prayer, through walking in Christ, we grow. And the more we grow, the more fruit we produce the better it is. But ultimately, it's not us. And so what the Judaizers, be circumcised, follow the law of Moses, don't eat pork, all this other stuff that's a horrible curse on us, like not eating pork and bacon and whatnot, like, but everything, everything we have to do to earn it is a curse on us. Christ frees us from all of that. And then enjoy we walk with him. Does it mean life will be easy? Nope. Probably be harder, but it'll be real life, not a fake life trying to earn righteousness, trying and failing over and over again to be good by our own effort, feeling guilt and shame over our sin that causes us to hide in the dark. In reality, I can stand up and say, I sin like throughout my life. I don't know why God has put up with me, but I can say that and I don't have to pretend because it's Christ's greatness that matters. It's Christ's righteousness on me that matters. It's not me. I'm going to close in prayer, and my challenge and my encouragement to you is first off to look at how you see the gospel. Look at how you see the grace of God on your life and ask yourself, am I trying to earn my way to heaven? Have I added to the gospel? Have I told people you have to do this, and you've got to listen to this kind of music, and you've got to do this kind of stuff, like you've got to dress this way and have this haircut and everything else? Like, have I added to the gospel? And even more so, have I even decided to walk in Christ? Have I submitted to Christ, or am I just walking in church law? Right? Because church law is a thing. Show up, vote right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you're saved. Nope. 
won't save you. Only faith in Christ. Only submission. Only new life in Christ. I'm going to pray and I will let you all go. And hopefully my pie, which was baked from scratch fresh, is not burning. Heavenly Father, I come to you a a lost man, or a formerly lost man. I come to you a man saved by grace, saved by Christ who, who died for me, who carried the weight of my wickedness on his back. And I praise you that you would love me that much, that you would love the folks here that much. And I pray, Lord God, that anybody who doesn't know Christ, that you would just convict them today and, and drive them to the foot of the cross. Drive them to God to ask for forgiveness and new life. Drive them to submission to Christ. Like, like bring us to that place, Lord. And those of us who stand in two places or look at our own righteousness or are trying to earn our way to heaven or are hiding garbage in our, in our hearts and pretending everything's okay, pretending we're not stuck in sin or we're not filled with shame or we're not fleeing from you or acting in rebellion, help us to put that stuff out there, confess it, and just be gone with it. Help us to find the auto-tune of the Spirit in our lives. Make us whole in Christ. Amen. Have a good Sunday, folks.